Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Real Talk. Saida, Danielle, I get to introduce you to one of my very favorite people, one of my best friends in today's episode. And we've been, you know, frankly, our last, the, the last episode we released was about friends and friendship. Before that, we we're talking about flowers and books mm-hmm. and community spaces. And today we're going to talk about, um, you know, reclaiming uh, spaces uh, in our lives, uh, connecting to community again, um, and, and ways to do that with somebody who is just so good at making connections and... Uh, being a community member in in real ways, not performative ways, and just a very deep thinker, excellent friend. I'm delighted. So before we get there, though, I wonder, y'all, is there an activity or a, a space in society or your life that you would reclaim or will reclaim if you could? I'm a serial hobbyist, if we don't know that, right? Calligraphy, whatever, whatever, whatever. I would reclaim individuality with through clothing and sewing. So I have a sewing machine. I have my grandmother's sewing machine. I just have not had the time to take it out the box once Mm -hmm. since I got it serviced. Um, But everything is so cookie cutter and boring Mm -hmm. and... While I love a nude, I love a beige, mm. sometimes you need color or patterns or glow-in-the-dark things. Like, I'd reclaim oh, yes, individuality. Yes, yes. Mm. Kids' clothes are cool. Grown yes. ups, you have to be serious and boring. That is yeah. true. I, um, we put Robin in um, these glow-in-the-dark. My sister got matching PJs for all the kids. Mummies and the little eyeballs glow-in-the-dark. Mm, and then just, like, putting her to bed last night in a pile of laundry on the floor is just glowing eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> Delightful for me. I love um, it. But, you know, this makes me think of the the episode we had last season with Sammy Shock talking about pleasure activism yeah, mm-hmm. and how there needs to be joy, um, aesthetic pleasure, mm-hmm. whatever that is for you. It's not fashion for me, but it is it is for you. And, like, that does bring something to people around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. question. I also love the color black because I'm from New York. Oh, I own so many black clothes. Mm. Maybe You're currently wearing some. Do you wear Timberlands too? Of course I do. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. What would I reclaim? Um, I had a period some a few years ago where I was really on it with like getting up and meditating, doing my journaling, mm. uh, doing my tarot cards, and doing the things, and somewhere in that, I, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was a journaler for a while, like since childhood, mm-hmm. and I have a really hard time writing now. Yep. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, that's a twist I did not expect. So I think having those things and being able to do that would be something that I reclaim because it was just a part of the day that was for me, mm-hmm. um, and I ain't got none of that now. So. <laughs> think that's one of the things I would reclaim I like it yeah I mean I would do something similar I realized like when I was uh in Wisconsin with Linda Berry we were there was like a whole comics making community and we all spent mm. time making together mm. physically making stuff together um and then we're all hustling like constantly mm. and it is very easy to sort of let those meaningful ways of connecting with people and meaningful ways of addressing also trauma and terrible stuff going on in the world, but in ways that, that are uh, life-giving yes. um, and then doing what, what, what it takes to sustain ourselves individually as well as collectively. But yes. yeah, there needs to be more comics making and just art making practice in my life. So often mm-hmm. I just, I'm talking about it and I'm like, what yeah. is a cartoonist that doesn't draw? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Nothing. It's a one hand clapping. I think what we all want to reclaim is, like, fun. Yeah. One of the things I didn't want to do as an adult or as a kid watching adults was become an adult because they looked so unhappy. And there was zero fun. Um, and I remember I've all that, that boring ad- adult I've stuff, yeah. like talk radio, and, yes. which oh we're participating in right now. By oh, the we're way, exciting. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say this is, <laughs> this is fun though. It's not AM radio. Um, yeah, I think fun. Fun is one of those things you don't realize is so so absent from adulthood. 
Like like you were saying with well, individuality, space, space. like sometimes you just want to dress fun. Like don't yeah. nobody want to. My mom told me I should start dressing like adult. I said why? So I could look like I gave up. I mean the fact <laughs> is we are adults, so whatever you're wearing does count as adult. Well, mm-hmm. I like feel like you started going to dress barn solely. No disrespect. I am crying. You gave up. You you, <laughs> you you not even you like no. That's the uniform. That's it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. I want to give up on myself. <laughs> I love you all very much. If you do this, this is not a, a slight to you. Uh, much respect and much love. No, I don't want to do it. Okay. <laughs> so I feel like that's not the first time dress barn has come up. I Probably mean, not. That's just my example because my is, grandma yeah, kept buying clothes from there when you. I was a kid. And I was like, you do realize I have youth. Mm. Yeah. I used to wear Talbots and I made it fashionable. I had this like fur skirt from Talbots. That's not normal. It was a moment. Very cute. My oh. grandma bought it, of course. <laughs> this is but the I 1900s. Made it fetch. Oh my <laughs> lord! Okay, before we get too far down the uh, whatever path we might call this <laughs> rabbit hole, um, I want to introduce uh, y'all to my very good friend um, and our guest for today, Amelia Lowry. Um, Amelia is one of the first people I met in town. Certainly the Ooh. first, the the first like long-lasting friend I'm not sure I met other randos but somebody who has become <laughs> such an important friend an auntie um to our baby just the the kind of person who's so consistent and shows up and we do all kinds of fun stuff together um and we've both been through some major life transitions um in the time that we've been here um and the way that we met Amelia if I could share this was sort of random I mean it wasn't random it was intentional on your part but it's it's random that we aligned in this space so we had just moved here my partner and I we were both exhibiting at the citywide open studios art event Mm -hmm. um and so Kate had a photography space and then I had a comic space like across the hall from each other but it was like we had signs pointing people like hey where the queer people is in the corner come see us (laughs) um and Amelia and partner at the time just came by and stuck around and you introduced yourselves to Kate first, right? I think so. Mm-hmm. But just we're like, <laughs> and then we made a friend date. Um, and you know how you meet people, you're like, oh my God, we should hang out. Mm-hmm. And then nothing ever happens. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, we really like made it happen in a way that like was such a, I guess I wasn't used to such intentional friendship making and it really has made all the all the difference. But Amelia is, uh, as you'll find out from the the episode that we're about, the conversation we're going to have, um, Amelia is a badass, currently uh, finishing a master in public health at Yale. Woo! And has some also interesting, I, I know we're mostly going to be talking about your community work, um, but you also do really interesting scholarly work. And I just loved how you got into grad school too. Um, mm. Because like you didn't necessarily know you were going to go to grad school when you moved to New Haven, mm. it wasn't on the radar. And nope. and so anyway, I think that's worth sharing about too. Because there are a lot of people who are like, should I do? Should I go to school? Should I not? How do I do that? How do I approach this? Um, I think you just have a a bold way of being in the world. Mm. And I'm so glad you're here. That was so generous. That was so generous. Thank you. <laughs> it's the truth. One thing I want to add about that story about first meeting you is that I was tired that day. Mm. I was cranky. I did not want to go to the level that y'all were on. We started at the top. It was like four levels. And I was like, yeah, hey, can we, can we just leave? Like, I'm over this. And mm-hmm. then she was like, oh, there's a rainbow flag. Let's, let's go over there. And I was like, fine. Let's, let's, go, let's go see these rainbow people. <laughs> um, and it's honestly one of the best decisions that, that we made. And mm. um, you know, I'm not in a hurry to go back to California. I'm from California. And you you and your family have been um, instrumental in making me feel like this is a home here mm. and, and a space that I can grow um, in psychological safety and mm. just, you know, and be okay to mess up a little bit here and there. But it, y'all are just so supportive. So I appreciate that. Mm. Well, that's Aww. generous. I know. Fuzzy. I mean, we are like true loving friends. So, <laughs> um, Amelia, yeah, tell us a little bit more about... Um, about you in your own words um like what are you passionate about where are you from who are you yeah who am I I'm like how do I explain this I don't I don't tend to talk about myself very often so I'm like what do Mm. I say which is a hallmark of somebody you actually really want to hear from (laughs) yes (laughs) you know yes um but I would say to to sum it sum it all up right I'm really about healing through community um, and through genuine connections, being able to be our authentic selves and 
really, I think this was the hallmark of me and my foundation into like trauma informed approaches, understanding that we all need healing. Uh-huh. Majority of us have gone through trauma. Um, I mean, I would, I would assume that 100% of us, right. Whether it be big T or little T trauma. Um, and I just want us to be able to heal and to, to stop wow. this cycle of harm that, that continues. And you see it throughout news today, right. Our conversation before this, but mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, and interrupt those intergenerational patterns. Yeah, and so um, what I mentioned before was I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I love to talk about that. I'm very prideful. Uh, the Yay Area, yeah, did I feel me? Um, it's about <laughs> 20, 30 minutes south of Oakland called Fremont. Um, I'm oh. black. I'm Chinese. Uh, I'm queer. Um, and how that all shows up when it comes to healing and trauma and being in safe spaces to do that. Um, yeah. Is that your question? I know I really do mean it about people who I just collaborated recently with somebody who they had to make a little bit of a like on a comic and and they had to do a page about themselves and that was the hardest part this is a highly accomplished (laughs) highly talented person but that took them out and anytime that's the case it means that this is somebody who is so invested in what they're doing and less invested in like who who they are and less talking about like, look mm-hmm. at how great I am. Look at how right. amazing I am. And there's a lot of folks like that out there. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I know. I remember um, trying to go through PhD applications and everyone who was helping me write a personal statement was like, you realize how many things you do, right? You should talk about those. And I'm like, oh, it feels pretentious. And gross. Yeah. Like, yeah. look at me. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. I do all the things. And they're like, Okay. That's what you got to do, though. Yeah. You need to tell people you are. And I'm like, do I have to? And I really dragged my feet and groaned about it. Um, And it's still hard Uh going through the rounds again. And I'm like writing a personal statement. I'm like, okay, since the last round, I've done so many things. So I have to do this whole thing again. And it just feels pretentious. Like, Look at me, like delusions of grandeur. Like I am better mm-hmm. than everyone because, right? And I hate that. So yeah. I don't know. I haven't found the way to do it. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're growing. We're all growing. That's true. It's so you know. It's and I'm thinking fun. about people in higher ed. Like we tend to move around a lot. Like either we're yeah. taking new jobs, or you go to this grad school and then another one. So a lot of us don't like live and grow up in and stay in the same community that we grew up in. Except for um, Danielle. Except for Danielle. So yeah. far. So far. But like so many of us and so many of our listeners have likely moved to many cities. And I remember when we first moved to Madison, Wisconsin, I, from New Mexico, I was like, where is the community? I was like looking for different kinds of community that looked like what I had in Albuquerque. And then one of my um, professors, scholar activists, um, Karma Chavez was like, no, actually, you have to create community. You can't just expect mm-hmm. that somebody is is has made this. You know, like you you have to participate in creating what you want. Um, and that was I hadn't. I was like a real growth moment for me because I thought, well, sort of community is just like an available resource that mm-hmm. you can or a, like a club you can join that already exists. And I didn't think about myself as really a co-creator of that. Yeah. Um, until that moment, and Amelia, I wonder. Like, how do you go about uh, either either you, f- you see an organization that you want to be a part of or um, like you, you want to create community in a new place? Like, how did you do that either here or just how do you approach that generally? Yeah, I think during the time that I moved here, it was a transitional period for me where it was like, OK, I need to start looking inward. Like, what do I really like? What do I want to invest my time in? What do I care about? And from there. I think here, when I got here, I just started looking on just wherever, just Google searching it. And I was like, Yale got a lot of money, right? Uh Let me just go to all their events. Free food, yes, I'm here, right? (laughs) But looking at their missions, seeing who they're working with, um, I was more geared towards looking at folks that are working with probably children, right? And children Uh and trauma. Um, But I was really open because I didn't know I wanted to go back to school. But I was like, okay, if it's any all at all related to health, I'm going to put myself in that situation just to like understand the landscape, see what people are talking about, see what um, maybe areas of opportunity, right? Where are the gaps? Where, what are y'all not talking about that? Like Mm -hmm. we need someone to talk about these things. Um, Okay. You are a very intentional person. Mm -hmm. 
and talking about community and your pride for the Bay. I'm wondering, how did you end up in Connecticut, though? Like, when I say Connecticut, people are always like, oh, my gosh, Connecticut. Mm. And it's the perception is very odd. So how did you end up here? I'm going to be honest. I didn't know where Connecticut was. That's valid. Um, okay. Nor did I. 100% valid. I didn't know where Yale was. I've heard of it. I right? expect people to not know. And then when they do, I go, why? Mm. And I've, and I've been here for five years. <laughs> and my relatives are still like, where do you live? And I'm mm. like, I'm like, just close to New York. And they're like, oh, okay, I get it. I yeah, get it. Yeah, but, yeah. right, so my ex-partner um, got into a graduate program here. Mm. And I had always been in California. And then when she said Northeast, I was like, Snow? I, I like snow. I want an adventure. I remember how cold it used to be. I remember that. Oh, my God. I would make little videos of me. Like, I, would, I was working from home. So I was, like, making little DJ videos just to, like, entertain myself. I was at home all by myself all the time. Um, but I would, like, layer up with, like, jackets. And sw- mm. and I'm really cheap. I'm so cheap. <laughs> and I'm like, like don't turn. you know. Don't turn oh, on that heater. Don't, don't turn on nah. that heater. Like, you need, oh, do you have three pairs of socks on yet? You don't put that on first. <laughs> and then, the yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, I thought it was an opportunity for me to leave California. And I, I honestly, like, we're so... We're so prideful of California that I was like, I'm never going to leave. And then, you know, I have a niece and nephew. So that was also hard. But I said, you know Mm -hmm. what? Let me let me try. Like, let me just see what happens. I told my job I was I was leaving. They didn't let anyone work remotely. Mm -hmm. And then after I told them, they're like, no, we'll let you work. remotely." (laughs) And I said, I don't really want to work for you, but um, but I'll take it so I can have some financial security. Right. Um, But yeah, I followed followed a loved one. Okay. Mm -hmm. look, I will not lie until I moved to Connecticut. Oh, my husband's from Connecticut. And when I met him, he was like, I live in Connecticut. And I'm like, well, I know you're part of the tri-state area, so you're not far. Mm-hmm. But, like, what are you? But can you point to it on a map? And he's like, are you for real? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, everyone looked at me like I was really silly. I was like, what color is your license plate? Oh, what does it my. look like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I get that. And I'm, I'm the neighbor. I'm from New York. I'm literally from right, right here. Right, I'm right. Like, Come on, but, like, Connecticut, I mean. So I from California, that is a huge leap. Yeah, time zone, time zone difference. Oh, yeah. Yes. Time zone, that's the whole opposite of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. And the weather. I like the weather. If it snowed a little bit more, I'd be happy. Oh, no, I'm yeah. like, so am oh, I. No. I'm, I'm very upset at green Christmas. Yeah. Christmas. Oh, it's if not Connecticut doesn't get itself together, I might have to go, <laughs> I might yeah. have to go north. That's oh, what boy. I'm saying. Like, Canada? Canada, it might be a little too much. I went to Montreal <laughs> and I was like, why is there still snow here? But I need a little more. Yeah. So when you're talking about, um, like, going to as many events as you can and really um, that's sort of like a researcher mentality too. Like I'm going to get a feel for what's an ethnographer, mm-hmm. like what's happening, what are people talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, where can I also, you know, get some snacks and, and power players like in, in New Haven who are doing work on, on trauma, health, children, et cetera. So is that part of how you started working at the, um, the med school? Yes. Um, when I was trying to leave my, my work, I said, you know what, I do want to transition. Like I knew I wanted to transition back into health. I did, uh, I studied nutritional science as an undergrad, Mm. but I did not work in health at all. And I kept doing volunteer work. And I'm like, why don't you just make this your full-time job? Like Uh stop, stop doing it on the side. So I only applied to, I would say majority of places at the school of medicine, like, or I was looking at the public health school, anything health related, um, just to get a feel. And that's how I ended up at the cancer center. And like, what did, in that experience, um, what did you learn? I also, like, I was a secretary uh, in a dean's office for agricultural extension. Hmm. Speaking of farms. Okay. You know, I did not know Foreshadowing. Because like, I, I, was, I, was, I had a hard time getting a job when we moved to Madison because um, we just moved for a change of scenery. Mm, done that. Which is not a great, well, it's, I don't know. It's a reason to move. I don't know if it's a good <laughs> idea. Like, during the recession, was that a good idea? I don't know. But it was interesting to sort of to work and be like processing people's reimbursement forms. And I don't know, just sort of being part of a, a, a culture sort of from the outside, like a university culture before being a student, um, which I only I didn't I thought I was just going to be a secretary until I found something else to do. But then I was in my first year of grad school um, also. But I think. I don't know. That's sort of an interesting way. I feel like most people who are going to to grad school at Yale, they move here and then they start school. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's what they do. They're not working in another part of the university and then they they go to grad school. So I'm curious, like when you're in this sort of listening 
space, um, paying attention, like go to the gaps or what did you sort of learn from that first experience? Yeah, this is a great question. I, I, I was put into spaces with a lot of like high up folks, right. Um, which usually I was just like a fly on the wall, but understanding how siloed academia is oh, and how sure. siloed medicine or healing and all these spaces are. Mm. And, and I think that really funneled me into understanding how to make my work interdisciplinary, right. And how you collaborate with other departments because health is not just mm. about one thing, right. Mm. It's, it's about environment. It's about access to things, et cetera. So that really, really pushed me to not when I was looking for schools, it's like, okay, will this school allow me to take classes in other departments, oh, right? Sure. And if they don't, then yeah. I probably don't want to go there. Interesting. Yeah, that's also a, a sort of a different way. I think people apply to schools for names or because they want to work with one person. But like, again, so intentional, right? Yeah. Thinking like health means to me something that, that doesn't just stay in one small area. So where can I do that work? Um, which I guess is a great segue to like, what is... I mean, do you want to talk about your academic work or should we just talk about the healing work that you do in the community? I mean, I could touch on the academic work. Yeah, sure. Touch it's on the work and then let's talk, let's talk and get into community. <clears throat> um, so my research right now focuses on trauma-informed digital interventions. So it's just a scoping, scoping review, understanding what's out there, but how do we utilize, whether it be health informatics, um, digital tools in order to improve health of folks. And I, I work with formerly incarcerated women right now, um, specifically like majority black, I would say black and brown. Um, but really, I never even thought I'd be in that space. Mm -hmm. It was me just talking to people I work with and there being an opportunity to apply for a diversity supplement and then do that work and have it pay for part of my tuition. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, again, like <laughs> you're so brief and so humble. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm like, wait, what? I want to oh. hear more. <laughs> I do. I'm in a social justice. I'm at a social justice university and there's so much work around incarceration, youth, um, the statistics. And some of my classmates are so blown away by the percentages of what demographics are where mm -hmm. and um, the amount of time people get for which offenses based on whichever variables like that's such important work. You're like, I'm going to touch briefly on it. No, tell us all the things. Mm -hmm. I'm still learning. So, I, you know, mine mainly is a scoping review, but I do spend time in the community. And I think that's where I get the most knowledge, right? It's not from mm -hmm. these academic journals. It's mm -hmm. not from the professors, which they're very knowledgeable, right? But I think they just don't have the time and the bandwidth to, to kind of hold your hand through that experience. But really hearing it from the women and hearing just, I'd, I've never even known all the little details and right the little hurdles and like how oppressed this population is. Yep. Um, and you do the time and it's not over, mm -mm. right? Mm -hmm. It's a whole nother life journey, a whole other struggle. And just the perseverance from this community that I'm just like, we need to be part of this, right? We need to be, to, to be here to, to uplift them. And I think it's what, like the first two weeks after you're released from incarceration is the highest mortality rates, really? right? Mm -hmm. So that's why we're building an app um, so my work influences the uh, the PI, right? The primary investigator. I'm like, what mm. does that stand for again? Yep. <laughs> um, uh, her work in building an app so that uh, formerly incarcerated folks have resources, mm. right when they're um, right when they get to go back to the community. Go so w why is that that mortality? It probably comes from a few different reasons, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, one of it is right. They kind of just let you go off on your own, right? Yeah. They they like a stack of papers, say, go figure it out on your own. Off. You don't even get um, gate money. Like some states get gate money. So if you don't even have money, how do you find a bus? How do you like get transportation somewhere? You don't have housing, right? So in, if you did have medications, you're within a system that tells you when to take them, what oh, to take. Sure, so sure. now you're switching from incarceration. Mm, uh, and then having to do it on your own. Exactly. And then now where do you go to get it? when it was then provided for you. Right, and that especially could be your blood pressure meds or something that's really Especially because there's an issue with social services and, like, how much you don't get anymore. Yeah. yeah. So would they even still get And how long it takes care? to just get onboarded in systems, too. Yeah. yeah, and then sometimes they're dropping you off in places where that's not your home. That's not your home city. Mm -hmm. Like, people are being dropped off in New Haven because New Haven has the resources. Right. But they don't know anyone here. They're, they're you from know, hundreds all over of, the state. from all over the state. Yeah. Interesting. And we're at least a small state, but it really... Yeah, that makes... So anyway, intervening... It's so interesting when we talk about health, just generally, you say the word, 
and and people might think like health, wellness, right. fitness, like in a really elite fashion, um, versus the the kind of basic like survival that we're talking about too, you know? Yeah. And then how does your community work play into how you think about healing or how you sort of engage in that practice in our, in our community? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> being in community really is about listening. You know, I think you're, you're listening way more than you're talking and understanding that the things that you've been fed um, through life, whether it be through, through media, you know, I think a lot of it's through media mm-hmm. or just, um, just things that have been passed on that are, that are inequitable thoughts or, um, but I think hearing it from the people themselves, right. And that's where I'm just like, Hey, let me just make genuine connections. Let me get to know you as a person. Let me hear your story. And it's not about just like, let me wait and just take these things from you. But I'm let just me, like, right. Let me research you. Yeah. Right. No, I definitely don't <laughs> go into it in that aspect. I'm yeah. just like, I also take an opportunity for me to be myself. I'm like, let me be goofy. Let me be silly. Mm-hmm. Let me just see how this works. And like, it's, it's healing for me as well. I don't think that really answered your question. If you want to ask that again. Well, <laughs> I mean, you just, you're involved in a lot of excellent community projects. Um, gardens, for example, that I would love to talk about. And for many of our listeners who are local too, ways for, for, for people to get involved. But yeah, can you talk about some of those orgs? Yeah. So um, I'd say the main one that I go to is the Armory Community Garden. So it's it's off it's off of Whaley. It's where the correction facility is. I don't know if y'all know where that is. Yeah. It's yeah. hidden. Yes, like, we do. In between Golf Street <laughs> okay. and Whaley. Yep. Right. Behind CVS. Okay. Ooh, I feel like I'm from here. Yeah. yeah. I know the You're street names. There. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> every Saturday, usually we do it from uh, 12 to 2. This weekend is actually the last weekend for the for the season. So we're wrapping Ooh. it up. Um, we're going to try some season extension things from later late, later on. But you just come, you learn how to work together. We don't have our own separate plots, which I really, really love. I right. really don't like the spaces where you come in and you have to figure it out on your own, but we're like learning. And you it's a your little eight by eight, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, or whatever. But this is a space where, like we talked about Farmer farmer D, Farmer mm-hmm. Dyshawn, you know, he's so patient where we're like, mm-hmm. oh, we don't want to mess up. He's like, just do it. It's fine. Like mm-hmm. you can't mess anything up. If you mm-hmm. pull something out, let's put it back in. Right. Yeah. And it's just yeah. that it really takes the pressure off of um, learning in a new space because we're not I mean, how many of us really grow food? Right. And yeah. really connected to the land. But I think nature can teach us a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. If we just listen and if we just notice things, it's like, OK, if the, if the leaves are this color, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Right. It allows you to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So Armory Community Garden is is one of the main ones. And then um, work with Root Life. So Farmer Dishon and we've been working at Valley Street, which we built out. I want to say maybe like 70 beds. Don't quote me mm. um, this year. And and then we started um, supporting Big Star Garden, which is in New Hallville. Okay. Oh, New Hallville. <laughs> okay. It's off of the Farmington Canal Trail. Oh, I really like, the Farmington yeah. Canal I live in New Hallville. Okay. So, hmm, okay. interesting. Okay. I want to go back a second, though. So is that, would you say that farming is... A hobby you would reclaim if you had more time? Or is it something you've already reclaimed? Oh, I'm reclaiming it right now. Oh, I Um, love that. I'm very intentional about going to those spaces. Mm -hmm. And I can tell, I can feel it in my body, right? Like Mm -hmm. noticing my stress levels, I can feel. I'm like, you need to be outside today. Uh You need to to go out there. You need to be with your people. Uh, You need to be growing something. Um, And we can look this up later. I should have looked it up before this. But like there are studies on... Mm -hmm. um, release in serotonin in mm-hmm. your body once you're like harvesting something and then the bacteria in the soil as well. So it's like scientifically proven. I love right. that. Now is this, is your connection to the community in this way through farming connected to the academic work that you do? Like, was that what led you into it or was this a solution mm. for the stress of the academic work that you do. Yeah, yeah. Good, good question, question Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> good question. Journalism. <laughs> um, currently, right now, they're not connected, but we are exploring avenues where we can't connect them. Right? Like, how can we make this a space of trauma-informed healing? Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was on my journey of just my improving my own mental health, mm-hmm. and I was I was afraid of nature. Like, look at me, like five that. years ago. Go on a hike with me. I hear like r- leaves rustling, mm-hmm. a squirrel, a lizard. Yeah. 
I'm gone. Like, you'll yeah. see my back. And I'm like, sorry, I left you. I loved you. I love you. But you need, as soon as I start running, you need to start running too. Yeah. <laughs> I loved you, not sacrificing yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it was my way of meditating, right? Like mm-hmm. being present, being in the moment, because I, I do struggle with like ruminating thoughts mm-hmm. and it really disrupts um, my ability to like work and focus on things. And I yes. was like, okay, let me, let me go for a meditative walk. And that led me to foraging. So I think, I don't know what came first, but foraging mm. is really my like, I love foraging. I love free snacks. Like I know people this all the yeah. time. I'm like, yo, if you will come over to our house and be like, can I eat that? And I'm like, you can eat that. <laughs> yeah. Take all of it. I, yeah. And, and that goes back to like, how do we, how do we provide for ourselves? Right. Yeah. Because these systems are not doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And yes, we do need people in these systems that are fighting back to change the systems, but we also need to figure out a way to do it ourselves. And like, how do we get back to our ancestral practices, our indigenous mm-hmm. practices that kept us very healthy Right. Mm-hmm. So and that's just like me learning through it. But I, lo- I love I love free snacks. I can't emphasize that. Even yeah. more. That's so been funny. Talking to yeah. <laughs> so it's such a practice. I said, oh, oh she's talking to Deshaun. Um, so what. But like what got you into the forging? Did you literally just like start going for hikes and then you was like, who was that? Or did you get into like conversations with people as you were hiking and maybe they were foraging and you were like, who was that? (laughs) Well, you like to be a forager, right? You have to be connected to other people. Yeah. You know, like that's really how you learn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You can't just like walk around and just Just pull stuff off trees (laughs) and eat it. I mean, there's apps that I see people using and they're like, Ooh, let me look that up. I don't know what it is. (laughs) You know, I don't know what came first. I What I do remember is that people would want to go on hikes and I was like, um, I'm going to say yes to the hike, but just know that I'm going to be looking at these these plants here and there and trying to see what I can mm, eat. I'm going to slow you down. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to slow you down just so you know. Mm. But I did sign up for like foraging classes, like oh, yeah. back yeah, to my see. classing thing. Um, just like looked, I think Steve Barillis, I don't know, like he got arrested in New York. I don't know if you've heard about him um, a long time ago for foraging, like eating a dandelion in Central Park. Um, really? We could do some fact checks, but eating mm. something in Central Park and then he got arrested for it. But really? he, yeah, he... Great, great forager. Um, but I went to like two foraging classes. And then b- when I first got here, I had noticed Daishan in like a different organization. Mm-hmm. And I had been wanting to meet him for the longest time. Like I saw him on social media and I'm like, mm-hmm. where is this dude? Like, how come yeah. I, I look at all these events? Mm-hmm. Where are you? Yeah. And then I finally met him maybe like a year and a half ago. And oh, really? he was the person that I wanted to learn from as far as like foraging. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you did these classes where they... Uh, or was it just like classes that maybe you saw on like Meetup or something? Yeah, probably on Meetup. I don't remember what website, but it was around. I know I had to drive in opposite directions. I can't remember the cities now, but at least like an hour and a half each way to to get out there to do. So you classes. were searching for it. I was searching for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how how could you relate this to like trauma informed, like? healing and do you have any plans to kind of not go rogue but like do something you know do like some programming around that would that also be something to help your mental health or do you think that that would be are people going to be calling you farmer a yeah actually my name is farmer drip oh we uh got it recently it's for drip irrigation i can take it wherever you sure, want sure sure i was like okay. oh is that I- cali it's <laughs> <laughs> that california okay well, however you want to interpret it i'm fine with that but it's because i learned uh drip irrigation was one of my first activities that i learned on the farm but farmer drip is my farmer name i mean i would have called you farmer yadi i mean yadi yeah. i feel me. okay <laughs> i like that one uh back to your question can you repeat that <laughs> that's a good question um i don't remember half what i said you oh said- uh, would you, how can you relate that back to trauma informed healing? And then would you want to do like any programming around that? Yeah. Um, or do you feel like that would interrupt the healing part for you around that? Disrupt in what way? Um, well, they say sometimes the things that you love and the hobbies that you have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. once you make it work, workish, mm. um, Cause that could it, it didn't doesn't have to be work. It could just be like shared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between shared and work, and they are a very fine line. Yeah, yeah. So would that be something that you would want to share with others, and how much would that disrupt the healing for you? 
I have never thought about this. Oh, okay. So this is so you're interesting because get... we're like, well, this is obviously all connected, right? Yeah. yeah. Very obviously, but interesting that you experience them separately. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to gatekeep it, right? Yeah. I think we should be sharing our knowledge. Um, I think if I could make it in a way where it didn't feel like work, mm-hmm. right? And I'm, I'm having fun and creating a space for people to be safe and mm-hmm. feel safe and have that peer support with, with the other like trauma-informed principles, mm-hmm. I would definitely do that. Um, yeah. I do see myself working on the land as part of my whatever percentage of work. I don't know what that looks like yet. Um, but I would want it to be like Soul Fire Farm. I feel like they're, what, what they do um, there to create a safe space for folks. I mean, I would maybe call it trauma-informed in mm-hmm. a way, um, but I haven't really broke it down to make sure, you know, like it follows steps A through Z. For people who don't know yeah. Soul Fire, could you tell us. Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> like where are my notes? In the broadest sense. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. I'm going to read my notes here so I don't mess it up. Okay. But uh, Soul Fire Farm is in upstate New York, and they practice Afro-Indigenous-centered community farming um, and to uproot racism and seeding sovereignty in the food system, right? Mm-hmm. So through healing, sustainable agriculture, spirituality. I'm like, did I type that wrong? Health and environmental <laughs> justice, right? So they really believe, I don't know if you've seen the shirts, but they have a Malcolm X quote on the back. Revolution is based on the land. Land is the basis of all independence and land is the basis of freedom, justice, and equality. I love that mission. So far from. Okay, we're all looking it up because <laughs> we are going to take right note. <laughs> I'm about to take a trip. Anytime I think of farming and nature, it's always interesting. And I really love that. Um, you're talking about foraging and reclaiming the land. I, y'all have heard this before. I had to go camping as a city kid in New York. We had to go camping annually with our school because Mm. the city isn't nature filled. Mm -hmm. And we would go on hikes and they would say, okay, you have to identify like mint, identify things that if you are lost, you can in fact eat the way I resented that. Mm. And now I'm like, dang, maybe I should have paid more attention mm. because it sounds so cool. There was a moment um, during COVID where it was like black people should reclaim frolicking in the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I get that. so much joy from watching people frolic. So yes. Nature is so freeing. Mm-hmm. So going back, because you know, and not everybody has access, right? In the same no. Way. Like thinking about New York, there's no green spaces other than Central Park, right? right? Which was a black yeah. neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure. Oh, clear. yeah, we knew Seneca that. Village. When you think about trauma and reclaiming nature and being one with nature, how can, how can I want to say the education system, even mm-hmm. earlier, incorporate these kind of elements that can help youth move forward dealing with their trauma? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said youth and particular because i mean adults are hard they're hard but i feel like if we start earlier i feel like you put them in nature and they turn mush i do you're saying adults yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i feel like you really can see the childhood if you put an adult in yeah I mean, and that's either excitement yeah, or yeah. fear right they turn into like yeah. oh my god squirrels <laughs> oh it's fear for me i'm with you <laughs> i hiked in austin and they were like there might be rattlesnakes and bobcats and i was like i'll oh, be no, in the parking lot yeah bobcats yeah <laughs> you can't leave with that we have bobcats in our backyard. Nope. I'll be Whoa, the first one gone. Me too. Say that. I'm with you. <laughs> um, I think it might be a simple answer, but just like intentionality, right? Like I'm thinking about, have you heard of Sankofa Learning Center? Yes. Yes. Right. So the, the owner, Amelia, <laughs> my, my other twin, right, is just super intentional about bringing in Afro um, knowledge mm, into mm. the learning space. And if you started mm-hmm. early, but I do think that like, we shouldn't be leaving out the adults because they're the ones causing a lot of the harm, right? Yeah. Because their harm has not been dealt with. Right. right? And they haven't had the opportunity to heal and like mm-hmm. take the time and space, right? If you're working three jobs, if you're right, mm-hmm. if you have, you have all these responsibilities mm-hmm. that like these inequitable systems have made it so much harder on you. How can you do that? How can you focus on yourself? And it's really hard, right? Like, have you really gotten to know yourself? Right. Have you taken the time to grieve losing a part of yourself that has has once been you for decades? Mm. That's a that that hurts a lot. And then you have to deal with like the harms that you've caused to other people. Mm-hmm. Right. Unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe intentional. Sometimes <laughs> that's OK. That's OK. That's OK. We're human. Right. But like that process, it hurts. It's very mm-hmm. painful. So like, right. do you have the community to support you in that? 
And how do we continue like connecting with one one another when all these things are happening? Yeah. Right. And I think about like what makes a, there's just so much going on right now. And so many people who are just so maxed out. It can, I think a lot of times the way we think about health or anything supporting our well being, Mm -hmm. just in general, we think about it as like, I don't have time for that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like an additive thing. Mm -hmm. It's not actually how we do our day or like how we live our life. It's like, an extracurricular yeah. yes. and, and most people are like, well, that's got to go because I need to prioritize X, Y, Z. And yeah. I wonder if, um, Amelia, you have some thoughts just also just with your, cause you do have like a public health lens. You have a community health lens. Like what are some, some ways as communities, and this could be like practical, but it could also just be like in the future, mm-hmm. something to build towards how, how can we, well, I mean, you're giving me a lot of thoughts, actually. Um, <laughs> so, like, how can we build um, community and healing in a way that isn't what I'm talking about? That's like self-care that's solo done. You know, like, how do we build in this? Commodified like, self-care. Commodified self-care, yes. Yeah. So, like, how do we build something different? How do we build something like what you're talking about that's not everyone has their own plot, but we're working on a community garden together? That's kind of like a metaphor mm-hmm. in some ways what it can look like yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna quote asada shakur right now oh my right. gosh you are literally the most prepared guest we have ever had on <laughs> Love show. it because i didn't write a book so you know i need some help um we need to be weapons of mass construction weapons Ooh. of mass love it's not enough to just change the system we need to change ourselves mm. so i think it really it really focuses on how do we do the internal work first mm-hmm. because yeah. if we don't know that we're practicing colonized mm. processes, mm. right? Then how do we, how do we expect to show up differently mm-hmm. if we're, if we don't understand how we're perpetuating the same systems? So mm-hmm. I really do think it starts within ourselves. I don't think that we're going to learn by ourselves, right? But it needs mm-hmm. to be an internal reflection um, and like a practice, practice of reflexivity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but doing it in community and mm-hmm. doing it with people you trust who can be like, hey, yo, like, what you doing is kind of, right. mm-hmm. don't be doing that, you know? And you need people <laughs> that can tell you that. You don't need yes people all the time. Like, right. So I think it really starts with yourself. I feel like that's hard, though, because, like, the United States teaches you to be so individual and so separatist yep. and so combative and, you know, compare yourself to everyone. Yep. And mm. that is so hard for people to get out of that. And the one thing that I think of all the time, like well, as we're talking about community, is just how ingrained community was in so many BIPOC communities. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I said community a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but just how much, like, just as a human being in general, we are not supposed to be by ourselves. Um, we, it, it's just not. It's deadly. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not. It's not natural Mm-mm. for us. Right. And so when I look at like community healing spaces and stuff. I'm like, do people know that that's the, supposed to be the norm and that's right. how we naturally were? Um, right. And that that is required. You know, there's so many people that feel like they have to be by themselves or I can't trust this person because mm. we've cultivated that attitude. But then it's hard for people to heal because you're trying to heal isolation. Mm-hmm. And that's like when you were saying like the commodified self-care. And <laughs> one thing that I found, I tried to do all the self-care and I still find myself yearning for community. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to sit in a room with people and and maybe we talk, drink some water or something. You know, like okay. I just want to be you know, like, together. Just be in community with people. And I really do crave that. But I feel like when people, especially here in the Western world, think of community, it's we're all doing something to get to a goal. Yeah. Mm. Like we're doing Jeopardy so people can win a card. Right. We're doing, you know, we're doing this thing so we can get volunteer credits. You know, like it's never just we're doing this with intention just because we want to be around each other. There's like an end goal for everything. So that's where it feels like this self-care or this community care feels commodified or feels capitalist because it's like it's not just done. So we're together. It has to it has to produce something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's. One of the biggest issues that I see with people trying to foster community is yeah. even in, you know, in, in growing and getting to the earth, like, but, but am I finna get some vegetables out of it? You know, like, <laughs> right? you know, like there has yes. to be a, a product or a thing that you get. And I don't mm-hmm. think we as Westerners understand that it's okay just to be around people, just to be around people yeah. and just to create or to cultivate. 
Because um, as human beings, that's what we're supposed to be doing anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a lot of undoing to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have, like you said, an individualistic view, but we also are like consumers. Oh, like yeah. we are consumers. Yes. Everything we do has Foraging to, is anti that, right? Right. We're yielding things just for the consumption of it, yes. which is a really terrible way to be. It's really bad. And like mm-hmm. thinking about community and what you all have just said is so powerful. Like being in a community space to heal together mm-hmm. is so important. And I feel like that doesn't happen a lot because people don't understand how to identify the healing that they need. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask our guest a question. Ooh. I'm going to try not to make it a hard question. I know I tend to do that. Impossible. I know, but what do you think? And this is just pure opinion, right? I've done a lot of self-work, but the realization that it needed to be done, wow, the preceding events were terrible. <laughs> so how do you, how does one identify that there is some trauma and healing that they need to do? I think by default, we should all assume. I would yeah. love to say that. We have some work to do. Just find what it is. That. Yeah. And then really reflecting on like when people tell you something about yourself. How do you react? Hmm. First, first, like physiologically, hmm. right? Is your is your blood boiling? Right? Is that what it feels like? Are you getting angry? And then really sit with that. Why? Why are you getting defensive? Hmm. You know. And has someone else ever told this to you before? Hmm. And okay, is this a pattern? Hmm. Like, like you can't possibly know everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And some people can be wrong, but like at least investigate it. At least be mm-hmm. curious about it because I think this whole idea of like. Right. Going back to your point of like, we need to fall in love with the process. Mm. Right. There is no end. Like life is a continual learning process. And we need to learn how to just fall in love with that and not fall in love with the end goal. Right. Because then we're going to right midlife yeah. crisis. Oh, I got mm. my car. I got my whatever. Why am I so unhappy? Yeah. Right. right. Um, but yeah, now I forgot your question. No, well, you answered that. it. <laughs> I mean, I really I, I love this focus on the on the internal work and doing that in community with people. Yeah. Um, I also, and I, tell me what y'all think, cause I stepped out of social media um, uh. as I'm always saying. So I don't know if this is the case, but it seems to me that there's also pressure that I think is intensified by social media that mm-hmm. like, if you are pausing to do reflective kind of work, then you're not doing anything. No. And like, you need yes. to take action, action, action. You think so? Yes. Really? Yes. I find, yeah. you know what? I think social media for me and Maybe it's because the research psychology lens, but I find social media to it's perpetuating this idea of mm-hmm. healing. Like no one's doing the work. They're saying right, the right, things right, right. that sound like it. Yeah. I I don't know. Everything that, I mean on, on on one hand, like speaking of forager, like the black forager, mm. like public health. Oh, that's work. that lady, right? Yes. There's beautiful oh. things like that where it's like a way to, to share community knowledge. Yeah. But yes. I, I also just think maybe this is not even social media. This is just like sort of our, our culture that's like a demand for immediate action and mm-hmm. like less contemplative, reflective, deep work. I think we want quick. We want show me the receipts. We want <laughs> act, mm-hmm. act, 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 act. I think part of that is also how we're supposed to be in sequence as either people or as people in the United States. Like, hmm. there's a sequence you're supposed to follow. Oh. You know? And so... Like what? what? When you're supposed to go to school. Oh. You're supposed to graduate. Mm. You're supposed oh, yeah. to do the thing. You're supposed to date young. <laughs> you're supposed to get the merge. You're supposed to get the, get the baby. Get the house. You know, like, there's mm-hmm. a sequence that has been taught that does not fit the current time. Correct. Whatsoever. Um, for the morality politics people, mm. it would... It seems like it's perfect, but it's not conducive to anyone in 2023 Mm -hmm. and so i think there are people in 2023 trying to adhere to that model even though so much has changed so many things are now you know like okay it's okay for people to be lgbt qua it's okay for people Mm -hmm. you know to to be of a different race you know like you're allowed to walk on the streets (laughs) you know and i think nothing has kind of stepped up to to replace that ideal that wasn't made for 99% of the people in the United States. Yeah. And so we're all trying to meet that model. And I think it's social media kind of, it can be a reminder of that, it, you know, mm-hmm. especially the fi- Facebooks and the, you know, sometimes the Instagram. Um, I've found myself like, so when I was first on, on the Facebooks, 
um, in the younger years, <laughs> like right after high school, I would delete people that were either getting engaged or pregnant. Hmm. Um, well, obviously, because, that's my trauma. Well, <laughs> I mean, but I was full on just like, no, there is data behind this that, that, that it, it, it has a negative impact on our mental health because we're constantly comparing it was triggering. ourselves to yeah. others. It was very triggering. People. It's still a little triggering. Sure. Um, I don't delete people anymore. Um, but I have been like, ah, you were, you, you behind a little bit. Mm. And and then I go, I ain't supposed to think like that. But I'm like, I mean, realistically, <laughs> you know, I mean, statistically, I got to be with somebody to afford an apartment in 2023. You know, like there's things that aren't feasible anymore. Mm. Um, and so I think sometimes that can be reinforced with social media as well as the resources are also there. Mm-hmm. But you're looking at both and you're just like, OK, so what direction am I going into? And it depends on where you are personally and in, in what you're going to focus on. So I think that that's how, how I receive social media yeah. and community and stuff like that. It's, it's both. It's both. And. Both and. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to my therapist. <laughs> I hate when she says that very much. She's it's like, there's true. a gray area. I was like, I don't, I don't receive that color. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't receive that, but yeah, I definitely see both. And depending on where I am, is where I focus. There's sometimes I'm just like community, and then there's sometimes we're just like ah falling behind, slipping, slipping. Right. No, and right. it shouldn't be right. Like to Amelia's point, it's you need to highlight the duality of it. You mm-hmm. have to acknowledge the process, and then to Casey's point, it's also we want to see the instant results, mm-hmm. and there's a duality within that because of the way we are as a society, right? Mm-hmm. We are instant gratification consumerists. I want to right. see it now. I want the thing. But if you're not showing what you're doing, then it seems like you're doing nothing mm-hmm. in any respect. Mm-hmm. So and it's we a, think that no when win. people are quiet, that means there nothing's going on. Nothing's mm-hmm. going on. Amelia and I can both speak to when we're quiet, we are thinking. We're mm-hmm. busy. We're re- very busy. busy. We're connecting the dots. We're unconnecting yes. some dots. Right. right? We're rearranging, yeah. I think that is there's a point in it, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're all as a society moving towards being very loud in places Mm -hmm. when there's more value in the silence. Really just taking the time to think and learn and research and undo, right? Like society has consumed the way we think, the way we act. And it's like, okay, now what? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We don't have an answer. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of cool, though, yeah. because to Danielle's point, and you're talking about, because mm, I'm going to give you a history. Mm-hmm. Merton, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Ooh. That's who, I know a who Russian would. immigrant from Philadelphia, but go off, who was allowed to go into libraries and such. But historical precedent of the term doesn't matter, I guess. But um, the thing about not knowing where we're going in society right now is that we get to reinvent it. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that you have your Amelia's and, mm-hmm. you know, your foragers and people who are reconnecting with mm-hmm. actual things. We mm-hmm. should be like nature, mm-hmm. like foraging, like material. Yeah. That actually exists. Yeah. We're getting yeah. back to that. And I'm very optimistic. Yeah. Which you don't hear from me much. <laughs> I'm very optimistic about the fact that through us being the adults, which is great, mm-hmm. we get to make our own rules. And some of the rules are heal. Mm-hmm. And I think you see that in the people that are doing the farming and the yes. and the foraging. And like the that frolicking. takes a lot of time. And you know, like you were saying, like research and yes. thinking through like you can't just and pick anything up and put and that in failure your mouth. Is a part of it. Like yes. hopefully not poison. But foraging, I don't know. I've almost ain't too much failure. You be you try need not to be to doing it then. One time I got a little too confident. And I was like, oh, that looks like something I know what that looks like. I could just eat it. And I almost put it in my mouth. And I didn't. And I looked it up. And it was poisonous. Oh, no. See, you can't play. You can't play like that. But you still, you you thought through it a little bit before you put it in your mouth. (laughs) So there's still thinking Mm -hmm. Critical thinking. And taking time. Like, farming is no no joke. No joke. No. Um, And I think people, include myself, (laughs) are bad at like those processes that take time and there's a result after like I don't like and to you cook. have to wait a long time mm-hmm. I like yeah. I mean when I started I didn't I never grew anything until like you my you grow was that you grow stuff oh yes I do oh. I got a vegetable garden okay 
You give me so many vegetables that I'm like, what do I do with these things? I yes. know. Well, she also has me eating the other plants I thought were not edible, but Oops. but are. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it, like sometimes the thing with, with gardening and with land and, and plants that I think is so interesting is that it does tap into something that's really deeply rooted, I think, in human beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times, like you just... I see different people in my life like sort of pop off at different times. Like they just, it's like you get caught with like the bug mm-hmm. and then you're like really into it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like whether that's like the history of like forests or what are the native plants? Like what's the history of this place via the land? Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh my God, like you can take seeds from this and like start them with just with this and then you can like grow a whole thing. And, you know, I mean, for me it was, um, my wife Kate's mom is a gardener farmer and she was when we lived in New Mexico mm-hmm. which is not like the most conducive to growing yeah. certain things but she was like and also not just like telling me oh you can do this she was like let's do this together mm-hmm. and there's something about that about like starting seeds with somebody mm-hmm. about the kind of knowledge it, it's almost like cooking yep. in a lot of ways it's like there's the recipe, but then there's like actually how you move your body when you're doing things mm-hmm. and like yep. how long you and how hard you need the dough and learning from her. I mean, now it's like, yeah, in February when it's like really cold and dark all the time, I have like little seedlings growing in the basement. The The tomatoes aren't coming until August. Mm. I mean, that is like a profound act of like nurturing like you're literally tending all the time if you're leaving town somebody else is doing that like caretaking for you um and the reward is not coming until way later Mm -hmm. um it it's sort of a different approach to like the seasons in a more connected way i think to move through the year Mm -hmm. and i don't know even if you're not pausing to actually think about it or anything else i think it just does change your relationship to the day yeah you know yeah yeah and I would challenge anyone who thinks that maybe they're bad at it. You know, is so it many just, people have that yeah, story. And is yeah. it just because yeah. we haven't done it, right? Yes. And, and that's part of learning something, right, is to fail. But just learn how to fail quickly, right? It's not, yeah. it's not about failure. It's about learning. It's like, oh, I used the wrong soil for that. Oops. Fail forward. Yeah. Okay. And just, yeah. Uh, you know, fall in love with that process, right? I know you said, like, the reward is at the end. But, like, oh, watching, I did say that. Watching, watching, <laughs> watching, you know, but watching. You said the, far. Yeah, but you know, like the germination process, understanding like, okay, I see this happening in the soil. And Maybe this like, needs this, this a little bit more. This little thing is never going to be eight yeah. feet tall. And then it is. Yeah. It's mm. kind of amazing. Parenting, I guess, is the same yeah, way. Yeah, it's the same way. It's <laughs> a little It's harder. funny. I like, I hate gardening. I do, but I can, I can say I gave it a fair shot growing up. And people are not going to believe this, but a tree grows in the Bronx. I had a Rainier cherry tree in my front yard in the Bronx. And... Um, my mom used to kick us outside, 90s kids, right? Go mm-hmm. outside and play. And one day we went to Home Depot and my sister and I just picked up all these packets of seeds. Mm-hmm. We thought they were free. They were not. Ooh. Um, it's fine. My mom was like, okay, so now what are you going to do with them? <laughs> right? mm-hmm. Like we obviously got in trouble. She's like, what are you going to do with them? So we were playing in the yard and we just dumped all these seeds. Little kids, I had to be maybe six. Mm-hmm. Little did we know it was cucumbers, tomatoes, mm-hmm. turnips, um, Turnips. Huh. Ugh, they're so bitter. Yeah. Um, I can't even remember all the stuff, but it it grew in like a hodgepodge, and we were so excited because we were like, mm. "What is that?" We had no idea what we planted. Right. Oh my gosh. Um, that was just such a small joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, I hate gardening. Why? Why? Right. I grew something and ate it, and outside from the turnips, everything else was delicious. Yeah. But why as an adult am I like I hate gardening? And I think it's because mm. I. I'm not a little kid playing in the yard anymore. Right. I'm an adult with struggles. And we don't like, play. Ooh, this like is work. a struggle. Why are you taking so long to grow? Give me the things I want. But yeah. like, that's an interesting concept. Why do we all say we hate something that we haven't done in years? And we say it about art. Yeah. yeah well. I'm not an artist. <laughs> right. We say it all the time. Right. We're like, I don't sing. I don't dance. And I'm like, all of these things are main parts of being a human yeah. yeah but they also don't require for us to be professionals to do it yes but for some fine. reason we all think in adulthood that we have to be professional yeah. everything to be able to mm-hmm. like oh you can't sing girl you ain't supposed to be up there well i'm a karaoke anyway hi mm-hmm. hello yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know like we think that we have to be really really good at it to do it yeah but we we like don't actually oh like you can God. just do it you ever seen people that can't dance Ooh, they have the best time the confidence <laughs> 
it is amazing. I was like, oh, I need to or get babies. some of that. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Robin is like this. Yeah, you do it for the joy of it. I think we do it for the joy of it now. Right. We don't do joy. Adults don't do joy. We need to reclaim that. But it is like, and you see this, right? Like you see this in, in Robin. Like you see this in your kids, Saida. Like when they're little, yeah. they, they do a natural expressions of joy. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, all the time. And then something happens to us. A lot happens to us, We're actually. We're tainted. Institutional. <laughs> right? Yeah. So we got to be intentional yes, about bringing that joy back. Yes. This has been delightful. I know. I was actually, I think, yeah, I was going to say, do any of you, I don't know how to even sort of wrap up this beautiful conversation. I was bringing it back. I got you. I got you. Do it. Because we're bringing joy back. We're bringing joy back in. So it's on our guest to tell us because her path has not been linear and you found some joys in adulthood. So what do you think? Your, what is your responsibility to community, either in your academic space or just nurturing space? Is it an academic responsibility or is it just a social responsibility? Oh, yes. And okay. <laughs> I feel like you changed up that question a little bit. So I, I wasn't did. prepared for it. No, you it's know? cool. It's cool. Like, what do I say? Tell me what you got. I think it's I think for me. It's really cultivating spaces and being okay with things not being rigid, Mm -hmm. learning together, because none of these spaces are going to make us all happy 100% of the time, right? But how do we create a space where we can communicate that, right? When harm has been done, but like not say, hey, I'm going to cancel you, right? It depends on the level of harm, right? True. But for the little harms, for the things that we can repair, how do we we repair them, right? So that we can stay together because it's not about separation um i really don't remember your question now because i can't read it i can't read it on the <laughs> it's paper fine mm-hmm. is it a social responsibility it's a both and um so i think scholarship cannot exist without activism mm-hmm. right it's been so separated but it's like okay you have all this education you have this knowledge yeah sometimes one-sided um but if you're not doing anything with it mm-hmm. but creating papers that nobody gets to read. Yep. What are we doing? Yep. Right. 100%. So like, I think that um, academics need to be involved in politics. I know we we're talking about politics earlier, but like we need to have more of a relationship. It's not just like, Hey, you know, this is for you to deal with. Right. We're always pointing fingers. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. We, we tend to do that. Sorry, not to say always, but we tend to point fingers and say, it's your responsibility. But like, we need to do the work to say, Hey, I'm participating mm-hmm. in this stuff as mm-hmm. well. And what can I do with that? So, Yeah. and closing advice how do people find community when they go somewhere new well what was your success rate success rate no not rate maybe but like no what is your what was your success formula that's the same thing kind of no no. i mean going to events and doing things yeah Thank you, Casey. Yeah, well, okay, so, so <laughs> he's from <laughs> okay, so I was trying to calculate in my head. I was like, how do I make this okay. over for you? So imagine the person who um, has just moved to a new city, um, maybe for school, maybe not. Somebody who spends a lot of time on social media, but then maybe they don't have any friends in the in the actual, or many friends in the town. Maybe they just go to work and then they come home. Yeah. What would you tell that person for someone who's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I follow this thing on social media and I like, like their stuff. But I don't know. I think a lot of people are sort of encouraged to not actually engage. Yeah. And then we got a lot really? of lonely people engage out there. Engage from afar. We have a lot of lonely people. Like your event looks cool, but I'm not going. Wait, how, how are people encouraged not to engage? Mm. I think people are encouraged to like and subscribe. Mm. Um, I see, I see. You know. yep, 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 yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah, for me, it's just don't think that you're not invited anywhere. Like, mm. just go with the notion of walking in. Like, literally, you smiling can get mm. you into places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so true. Don't don't get me wrong. I always felt like I was not invited in these spaces either. But I'm like, let me just try. They're just going to say no or, you know, or they're just like, oh, sit here. Right? Like, it doesn't hurt mm. to not try. Um, and then there I was able to just, like, practice, com- like, 
connecting with people. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I told them what what I'm interested in, literally they're like, oh, go check this out. Go check this out. Mm -hmm. So it's like that one opportunity is a snowball effect. Mm -hmm. And it just opened doors that way. So just, I would say, try, don't be like, if you are. Like you were nervous, right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, black at Yale. Come on. Um, You know, I'm about to get kicked out. I don't know. Like, So that made me nervous. Um, yeah. I had a spousal ID, so I really couldn't get into buildings. They were all locked. Mm-hmm. But I'd be like, oh, can I? Can you open this door? I'm trying to go to this event. And they always let you in. Mm-hmm. But I think just trying and like if you are fearful of something, explore that fear. Why are you fearful? Oh, maybe take a maybe take a buddy, right? Sure. See if someone can go with you. Yeah. But just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? We brought it back. We <laughs> <laughs> I just, mm-hmm. Amelia, I, I learned so much from you and I just really appreciate your, your way of being because you're always like, even just that last question, right? Like explore that fear. I'm like, oh my God, like, why am I so afraid of certain things? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, wait, wait, wait we're recording a podcast. <laughs> 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 Stay here. Um, you actually, your way of being kind of reminds me of Dr. June. Oh yeah. Um, 100%. You know, and she is a, a, she's a therapist and she works with kids around trauma, by the way. Um, and she's been working clinically for at least 20 years in and around Chicago. She was wonderful. She was a few episodes ago. Yeah. Um, but the way that she was, like this really thoughtful practice therapist, is actually quite similar to how you are, just in how inviting reflection and just bringing a really calm way of being. Yeah. Anyway, I just love you, as you know. Um, and I'm delighted that you joined us today. Thank you for being here. Yes, and I know. Thank you. Amelia is one of those people who likes to do a lot of things behind the scenes. And, mm-hmm. and so thanks for stepping into the, the limelight of the microphone here. Yeah. Y'all made this very comfortable. You know, I was like, oh, my God, I got to do this in the right mm-hmm. way. And I got to make mm-hmm. sure I, I say it all perfectly. Nope. But nope. I appreciate y'all because this is my first time. And I was like, let me just step into it. If I make a mistake, oh, well, it's fine. Look at that. Practice what you preach. Lean mm-hmm. into it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for being here. Amelia, yeah. thank you so, so, so much. <laughs>